welcome to Making Movies is Hard, a podcast about the everyday struggles of being an independent filmmaker. I'm Mark Purcell. And I'm Alex Kellerman. So, this week we are very excited to welcome filmmaker, podcaster, and indie film hustle mogul Alex Ferrari to the show. Welcome, Alex. Thank you, brother, so, so much, guys. I appreciate it. It's been a long time coming, man. Long time coming. Yeah. We've been trying we, to make we, this happen. Yeah, absolutely. Like, we first talked probably like a year ago. Yes. And it didn't didn't happen. And then, you know, we've been talking for probably like two months, and we finally made it happen. And it's a reality. Yeah, it's nice to meet you. I We have not spoken, really, before this. No, we have not. So it's a pleasure meeting you, Kellerman. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I mean, we haven't really spoken either via like two seconds. I mean, we emailed, I guess, emails. Yes, yes. You made it sound like you've been talking, so I felt kind of left out. Yeah, well, you should be. You were late. You were talking. We were talking about kids and stuff, so that's why. Oh yes, we bonded in that level. (laughs) So, if you listen to this show, which you know most likely this isn't your first time hearing the show, you're probably familiar with Alex's show, Indie Film Hustle, uh, because when you were searching filmmaking podcasts, uh, his podcast came up with our podcast. Um, Yeah. To be clear, sorry, I because I introduced myself as Alex Kellerman, I just. Want to make sure everybody knows that here to fourth, I shall be referred to as Kellerman to avoid any confusion with our guest, Alex. Uh, Kellerman, I actually have a question for you before I let uh, Alex talk. Um, okay, hold on one second, Alex. What's up, Howard? <laughs> <laughs> so had you heard of Indie Film Hustle before, like when you were listening to our podcast, like back when you were just a fan and we didn't know each other, were you also an Indie Film Hustler fan? Like what? You know, what was your, uh, you know, relationship to Alex's show? I was not. Uh, oh. And I apologize. I hope that's not offensive, Alex. Really? It's, it's okay. It's fine. <laughs> I'm fine. It's good. Yeah. I just assumed everybody who listens to my podcast knows your podcast. That's just like my basic bottom line, you know. It's okay. Uh, dry your eyes, please. Sit down. Um, yes. The... Uh, <laughs> Um, no, I actually, when I started having a longer commute, I I didn't used to listen to podcasts like at all. And then when I started having a longer commute, I just searched for, you know, filmmaking podcasts. And of course I found yours and Indie Film Hustle. And I mean, I found them all kind of at the same time. What, what's the other one? Uh, Okay. Um, just shoot it. Just shoot it. Thank you. Yes. Friends of the show. Those guys. Yep. Yep. Um, but then you just picked one to listen to and you didn't listen to Alex's one. Is that what you're saying? No, I did. I listened, I listened to all of them. Oh, I, I don't, all yeah, of them. yeah, okay. no, well, oh, okay. you know, there's no loyalty. It's what he's saying. There's no loyalty whatsoever. Not I love loyalty there. I didn't have a relationship with Alex. Uh, like right, I right. created with you and, uh, Timothy. Yeah. All right. 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 Timothy. R.I.P. Timothy. Um, officially Timothy is not coming back. I just want to say that out loud. Um, wait, so. has that not been said? I thought it was pretty clear. Well, I was trying to get him to come back to the 200th episode and, um, and then maybe some other episodes here and there and pop. He won't even come Timothy's... back for the 200th. No, he won't. He don't want to. He's done. So fair enough. Anyways, Alex. So who are you then, sir? Okay, give us your one minute bio. My, uh, I am a filmmaker, a podcaster, uh, and now an author, as well as uh, I run IndieFilmHustle.com, IndieFilmHustleTV, which is a streaming service for filmmakers, and I am also the host of the Bulletproof Screenplay podcast, which is dedicated to screenwriters, as well as the uh, Indie Film Hustle podcast. And uh, I've been a director and I've been in the film business for about 25 years now, and uh, I've I've done post. I've done. I've just done everything in the business that you can do, especially from the indie level. And I've worked on 
arguably thousands of projects and worked with hundreds of filmmakers across my career. So I had a really unique uh, perspective being in post-production as well a lot of those years, uh, seeing the trials and tribulations of, of, of what filmmakers go through as well as my own personal demons that I've, I've battled. But that's basically who I am in a nutshell. Nice. And what kind of post-production did you do? I saw on your IMDb that you have a lot of colorist credits. Was that like the main deal that you were doing? No, I, I switched to coloring um, probably about 10, 12 years ago. No, God, no, probably about 15 years ago I switched to coloring. But I've always been an editor. I started off as an editor, then went to uh, coloring, online editorial, post-production supervision, VFX supervision. And I own, I own my own post-production company that does all of those things, DCPs, all that kind of stuff as well. So, yeah, I, I've always been stuck in post. And it always just is a nice thing to walk into a, a, a production meeting or a bid for a job as a director and go, I've got posts, so you don't have to worry about it. So it's, it's never a cost that I even think about. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so when uh, have you done all your your whole career? Has it all been based out of Los Angeles, or did you start somewhere else? And oh no, I, I started in Miami. I was I, I just came out here about ten years ago. So oh, it's going to be eleven years now. Uh, so, but I started in Miami, and I really? was I was yeah, making about the same time as me. Yeah, I was making a living as an editor in south florida which in the 90s and the early 2000s which is unheard of it was just insane uh considering how much work there is out here when i got out here i was like holy cow it's like it's just jobs are flying everywhere and and there i really had to hustle hard to even survive so when i got here uh it was a lot easier for me to adjust and i'd already had about 10 years 10 12 years of experience under my belt but uh yeah i started off in miami and, and then came out here and it's 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 a big change. Was that was that hard transitioning from Miami to nope. Los Angeles? No, I, had no problem. Not at all. I I landed and I had a, I was a, I was editing and uh, color grading and post supervising a feature film as the the tires touch ground, and then I also had another job uh, lined up and I just basically just opened up my final cut editing system in a second room in my apartment in North Hollywood. And just started working, and I, and it was and, and it was three months. It was three months before the crash. So wait, so were you hired in Miami by a production that was in California? Yep, basically a director friend. They knew somebody in Miami. They're like, we're looking for an editor. They met me in my house in Florida while I was packing. And they're like, hey, where are you going? I'm like, oh, I'm moving to L.A. I'm like, perfect. We live in L.A. You could just do the – because they were going to do like a flying back and forth and stuff. Wow, really? Uh, to, to work with me. I was like, no, I'm going to be out there next week. They're like, great. So I'm like, well, this works out nice. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, beautiful. <laughs> what was your situation? Did you already have a family at the time? No, no. I, I had a girlfriend who now is my wife. and uh, She made I the just, move with you? She made the move with me. That was the test, and she passed. Nice. That was the test, and she passed. Oh, that was her test. Wow. I love that. <laughs> that was her test. I'm like, hey, if you, well, her her first her she first test it. was this. Her first test was this. I, I always, when I was dating back in the day, I I've I've always had a life size Yoda in in my house. It's just a just a big giant life size Yoda I bought in '99. So anytime I had a date, you have a life size Yoda. I have a life size Yoda. That's awesome. And, it is. I, I've had him forever. He's my co-pilot in life, and um, so I always would bring dates. I always would bring dates over, and I'd be like, "Okay, so if they can handle Yoda, they could probably handle me." So when my wife showed up, 
uh, or who's my girlfriend at the, or, or, you know, girl I was dating at the time. I'm like, listen, I have a life-size Yoda in the house. Do you mind? And she's like, I don't know what a Yoda is. And I'm, like, <laughs> funny. And she's, I'm like, I'm like, have you not seen Star Wars? She's like, I've heard of Star Wars. I've never seen it. I'm like, oh, well, funny. we have to, we have to watch it now. And she was game and she watched them and she, and then, you know, she's like, oh, he's cute. But the best story is, is that she went home that night after seeing Yoda and, and she called her best friend who was, a, who was a guy at the time. And she said, Hey, you know, I, I'm dating this guy and he's got this like green old lady in the corner of his house. Uh, and her name is Joda or something like that. And then it was dead silence on the other line. And the guy goes, you will refer to him as master Yoda. And she's oh, like, you funny. too. My <laughs> God, you're everywhere. You geeks. And she's like, yeah, oh, that's funny. <laughs> That's hilarious. And now, ten years later, uh, everyone knows who Yoda is. <laughs> yeah. Yes. 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 My <laughs> girls. My girls were were were, ra- were raised with uh, Uncle Yoda. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's amazing. Um. Okay. So you land in Los Angeles, and then you just started doing the post stuff. And then, did you like end up like starting a full fledged company in Los Angeles and like hiring employees and all that stuff? Or, you know, it was something that was very interesting with with post production. I've Many people always ask me. I've always had a post production. I've always I've had my company since '96. I've had my 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 production company, post production company, since '96. So I've always had a company, and I would always just hire freelancers if I needed them. But I, I people always ask me like, why didn't you just build out a whole post house? And I'm like, it's just not, you know, on a subconscious level, it's just something I didn't want to do. I, I just didn't want to go into the post business. And, and it's expensive too to do all that. It's not only expensive, but I could have easily done it and I knew how to do it and I was doing it for myself and I could have grown a big post production company, but I just realized that in, that it was just not something I wanted to do. And I just wanted to make enough money to do what I wanted to do and I wanted to direct. And building a post house was just not something I wanted to do. Right. It would take you away from your main goal. Yeah, at the time, yeah, and and uh, and over the years, it's something that I've just kind of like always had. Post production is like something I always just have. But do you mainly do it at your house, or do you have your own editing suite that you go to, or like? No, how I, do you... I I built out I built out a full edit suite and studio in in my in the back house of my of my house that I have. Oh, okay, cool. I've always so like I, of... I've rented I've rented a few times I've rented spaces, but you know if I could do it at home, it's less you know less overhead. Right. Did, did that was that a business you like carried over? Like, were you doing this exact thing in Miami? You were doing posts for different projects as well as directing your own things. And yeah, for about 10 years, I was doing that. 10, 12 years. I was doing that uh, there. Prior. Yeah, there. Yeah. Yeah. I got started there. I went to school at Full Sail uh, in Orlando. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. As a film school. And then, uh, yeah, I got started in commercials. And that's where I kind of got my start was uh, doing commercials and because it was the time of David Fincher. Directing commercials? Yeah, directing commercials. And uh, just I got my start. Like my first internship was at the biggest production company in the southeast. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, in in Miami. So it was like one of the biggest. It was a different time. So you have to to understand it was a very different time. It was the mid-90s. So there was still a lot of money flowing around the bubble. The the dot-com bubble hadn't popped yet. Right. And – you know, it was during the time of David Fincher coming out and Michael Bay, Spike Jones, Antoine Fuqua, uh, and the list goes on and on of all these amazing directors that came out of commercials. So there was that period of time where being a commercial director was a good way to get in. But even then, when I was starting, I mean, David Fincher was in Alien 3. There was no breakout commercial director other than Ridley and Tony Scott, who were the basically the godfathers of commercial directors breaking in. And even then, it took Tony and Ridley a while before they got a foothold. But this new generation hadn't even, David Fincher hadn't made Seven yet. 
he was still and and Michael Bay hadn't made Bad Boys yet, you know, and Anton Fuqua hadn't been made. Spike Jones hadn't really done anything of of of, of um, value just yet. So it was it was still a tough tough journey. It was still a tough journey, but that's how I got my start. So I just kind of uh, you know gravitated to commercials. Okay, so you're out here, then doing the doing the same thing, working in post, but not on commercials now. No, I'm, I got out here, started working on post. Then uh, within a few months, I got offered to direct a short film, which I did, and uh, and then just started to build up the treasure chest, you know, or the or the the, the war chest, if you will, to go out and make my. Uh, first short film, first big short film I wanted to make here because I had already made a, a a fairly successful short film in Florida in 2005 that I went on to sell I think 5,000 DVDs and uh, and and made a you know made over 5,000 DVDs of your short film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we did a we were I where was, where would you buy one of those? Uh, I was online. I, I was a lot of the stuff that I do with Indie Film Hustle. I actually was doing back in 05 before anybody else was like I was on YouTube before I mean I was on YouTube and you could check my my trailer for that <laughs> short film it's like 15 years old and you yeah. can see the date when it goes up and I was on YouTube before anybody was and, and I actually started creating tutorials on how to make films with independent style you know the gear so I shot it on the DVX DVX 100a I edited on Final Cut I did visual effects and shake these were all things that everybody had access to. And there was just, I love Robert Rodriguez's 10 minute film schools, but I'm like, dude, Robert, you're rolling with seven, $10 million. Brother. Yeah. That's not really, not really helping me out a lot. <laughs> right. Right. So I wanted to create something and I created like, I think of almost like three and a half to four hours of special features on how to shoot an action film like this. I had over a hundred visual effects shots in and all this kind of stuff. And it, and it went kind of, it went kind of viral within the filmmaking community to the point where I still get talked. I, people still talk to me about that movie. I wonder if I saw it. <laughs> I'm trying to think back. It was called Broken, and if you were anywhere on any message board anywhere in the world for a year period in 2004 and 2006, somewhere in that time, I was there. I was hustling like beyond hustling, and I sold it all on, off off the website pretty much. And then I did like some conventions and things. And sold it there. Went to a couple comic cons and stuff to sell. What was the genre? It was a. It was kind of like a, a thriller, an action thriller. So cool. it was kind of like it had like this kind of sevenish, dark, dingy vibe, but it was an action movie. So there was you know it was big gunfights and and stuff like that. Cool. You know? Is that and, still someplace that it can be seen? Well, it's available on uh, Amazon Prime. You can watch it on Amazon Prime, or you can go on I IFH TV has it, of course. Uh, and yeah, and all the special features and stuff are on uh, Indie Film Hustle TV. And and how long is it? Twenty minutes. So it's a fairly long short. Did it ever go to festivals or anything? It was in over 165 festivals around. Oh wow! Yeah, it 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 and and it got reviewed by Roger Ebert back in the day and. Uh, it, I mean, it, it, I mean, I got that's a whole other story, a whole other book. <laughs> yeah, we don't have to get into it. I just, I'm trying to get the genesis. Uh, the the reason that I ask is because uh, you were saying, and I'm just trying to catch up to to now. Uh, you were saying that you moved out here and you were working on in post, and then you got hired to direct a short film. I want to know where that job came from. Did you have an agent at the time? No, have I they, actually just you, I, no, I had I had friends of mine who ran a film festival. Um, and they invited me to a mixer. And then I saw this actor who I recognized, but I had no idea what his name was. So I just walked up to him. I'm like, hey, man, I, I really love your work. I just don't know who you are. 
Uh, oh, and that's funny. <laughs> so, un, so on L.A. because I was straight from the East Coast. And he's like, oh, cool, man. And then we, we started talking and, he, and then I started telling him about my movie and, and Broken and what I did. And he's like, hey, do you want to direct a short film? I'm like, yeah, I would love to. And he's like, great, I'll call you. And that was it. Oh, wow. And like within a few, like I think a month later, we were shooting a short film. And, wow. and then that's where I met a few of, you know, some very close friends of mine that I've had since then um, who starred in my first feature. And and it was it was a it was a it was an interesting uh, process. I was not. It was the first time I did not have creative control, ever in yeah. my life. So it was not a pleasurable experience that way. But it was very pleasurable in other ways. I shot with the red camera one, so it was like yeah. first generation <laughs> right. red. Sure. Yeah, old school. Yeah, so yeah. that was that was exciting. You know, I even have pictures of me with the camera and all that. Stuff. So it's <laughs> of course, great. Uh, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. And and now. Did we skip when you started Indie Film Hustle? Did you say that that was... No. That's much later, right? Yeah, that's about... You're still about eight years away. Oh, wow. Really? <laughs> yeah. It's, it okay. Was, we, Sorry. We, we I guess can, I got can, confused because I thought... We can, speed, we can thought... speed it up a little bit, you know, here, Kellen. We don't have to, like, you know, d- d- dwell every step. <laughs> I thought that you were saying that Indie Film Hustle evolved out of the website that you were selling... No, the, it, the, the techniques... Yeah, so the techniques and things like that that I was using for marketing and the concept of educating filmmakers and, and giving back to my community and stuff, I was doing that in 05. So it took 10 years before... I was I, I opened up Indie Film Hustle. I opened up in 2015. I opened up Indie Film Hustle. And when you say opened it up, do you mean created a website with the podcast? Was it all like, did you launch a bunch of stuff at the same time? Uh, the the uh, website went up first, and then a month later, the podcast. It was always part of my plan, but I wanted to get the website up first. Interesting. So, like, when you're doing this stuff way back in 2005, like, it seems like you always had an eye for marketing and for advertising. And you're always very good at like getting your movies out there and finding a buyer and marketing it and selling it and pushing it out. Was that something that you took from like another career that you had before you started filmmaking? Or was that something that you were just always doing from like your filmmaking days, like, you know, when you were, came out of school? No, I was doing that when I was nine, man. I was doing oh, garage. Yeah. <laughs> I was doing garage sales. I mean, I literally <laughs> the hustle was programmed in me from the factory. Like I, I, I didn't learn the hustle. Um, I saw my grandpa who was, you know, my grandpa who worked, uh, you know, all his life and who was a hard worker and built himself up from nothing. Uh, I saw that, but the kind of hustle that I was doing, it was just something I was just built to do. And and I'm, I'm, it's just something, you know, all of us have a certain innate talent and my talent was kind of marketing and getting things out there beyond, I just did not know about it. I just... Right. It was it was only brought to my attention in like high school. Someone said, "Dude, you like should be a marketing guy." I'm like, "Why?" I'm like, "Cause you've been trying to get a date with that girl, and you've been manipulating everybody around her to give you a date." <laughs> and it was and it was it was true. Like I, I you know, it, this is before stalking laws, uh, but um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a different story now, ladies. That's a whole different story now. No, no, but you know, there was a girl that I wanted to date, and I would just literally market myself to all her friends, right, her parents, her, friends. her brother, sure, sure, sure. and it was just this, <laughs> to the point where she just was like, "Okay, just fine, just I'll go on a date with you. Just please stop, just stop, stop <laughs> yeah. what you're doing, stop what you're." So I, it was just something I always had a, a kind of an innate talent to do, and then I've now since I once I realized that I had that talent, I kind of honed it. A bunch, but even when I was promoting my short film Broken, I, I did not 
really know what I was doing. I just said, well, I know where the people are hanging out. So I'm just going to go talk to those people there. And that was yeah. as simple as that. Yeah. It's interesting because like, you know, when I made my first short film, I like I did all the things, the festivals and, you know, I made DVDs and all that stuff and T-shirts. I just, you know, I sold a few of those things, but like I never I was always like focused on trying to like do the next project or the next movie or, or whatever. So I wasn't really like. Yeah, I still have like a stack of Strange Thing DVDs in my office. And I'm not like, okay, I got to sell every one of these, you know, but I, but maybe that would have been a better way to go. Like to like, you know, just really attack it in that way and like really push the merchandise out. But I was like, uh, you know, I just want to get the next thing, next project, next, next job, next whatever, you know, like I'm happy with where Strange Thing was. Let's go on to the next one. But it seems like for you, you just like really went all out, you know, and it seems like you do that with everything. You know, yeah, I, I, I kind of do because I, you know, I, I was taking a cue from George Lucas as he said, you know, the money's in the lunch boxes, guys. And <laughs> right. uh, yeah, and, and that's kind of like what I did. Like, I'm going to I'm going to create as many products as I can off of my IP or intellectual property, which was this short film broken. And I also created a product that I knew the audience, the, the the consumer base or the audience wanted because I was like, I'm the audience. So that's always been the thing when I, with Indie Film Hustle, with everything I do, I understand the audience because I am the audience. I understand the, the trials and tribulations of that audience because I've gone through all those trials and tribulations and still going through many of them. So I understand my audience. I understand the avatar of who I'm trying to reach with my work so well that it's easy for me to, to get to them because I'm speaking their language. So, I, But I was doing that in 05 when I didn't even know that. I just said to myself, no one's going to buy this short film. It has no stars in it, and nobody knows who I am, and nobody knows who these people are in it are. I'm like, I got to create something of value. This was all instinct. There was no thought. There was no books about this at the time. There was no blogging. There was nothing of that. There was no podcasts. There was nothing like that back then. Well, uh, wasn't it, wasn't John August around at that at that time? Because like I remember five or oh six, oh seven, oh five. But I because I was in college, I was listening. I was going to his. No blog. man, no man. Oh oh six was like the first video iPod. Yeah, no, but they were blogging. They were blogging. They were, they were bl- yeah, but like there. yeah, like in uh, GeoCities. But not everybody <laughs> even freaking like had That's the internet. <laughs> yeah, like in, yeah, it was you know we were still on dial-up, you know, and DSL was like <laughs> like the thing, you right. know. So it was a completely different uh, world back then. Right, Understand right, that right. YouTube launched in 05. Google hadn't bought them yet. Yeah, and it was a horrible service. It was a horrible yeah. quality. It just like that's why I really never took it super seriously back then because the quality was so bad. Yeah. Until finally YouTube, the technology caught up and well, Google well, bought well, them and stuff. Well, here, I want to jump forward a little bit. So basically, you know, you know, you land in Los Angeles, you know, you, you get this short film opportunity, you're directing, you're editing, you're doing stuff. And so for that eight years before Indie Film Hustle, are you basically like just having a career as of a freelancer, like kind of doing a variety of things like you know, post-production and then directing whatever you can, basically? Yeah, basically, post-production was the base, and then I would direct commercials or music videos or shorts or uh, things like that all during that time, you know. That, that, but I would always be freelancing. Did you ever have an agent? How did you get all all of these jobs were meeting people? Um, I, Yeah, man, just friends. Friends and connections. Really? And- so you're saying that you got these jobs because of who you knew? But, well, yeah, just from, like, meeting people. Yeah, just that, meeting that's, people. That's uh, Cullerman's favorite thing is to say that all success comes up from your connections and who you know. 100%. Yeah. 
Oh, no, there's right. no question about it. Relationships are, are <laughs> agents. Look, understand agents don't agents don't care about you. They only care about getting paid. So right. if you don't provide value for them, meaning if you don't provide a paycheck for them, they will drop you. Managers right. are a little different, but it's it's rare. So people are always like, oh, I need an agent. No, you don't. You need to get you need to get enough work for agents to negotiate for you and, and right. maybe go out and pitch you a little bit once they can see well, there's value there. So, so my point to counter Kellerman's point is basically that, you know, you weren't some, you know, connected like person who knew all these LA folks or whatever. That's not what I like, mean when I say who well, you know. But that's what people think when you say that. That's what they think. Like, oh, you that person knew you know, some executive at some company or whatever, and that's but how they got I, it. But, but that doesn't mean they had a pre-existing relationship with them. All I mean is, right. if if Alric, if you and I make a, if you end up selling <laughs> Brother, let's say, which is a film uh-huh. that I am writing, yes, then <laughs> my success will have been because I met you, right, or vice versa. One hundred percent. I mean, if the script, uh, you know, ultimately it won't right. matter. If if the project that we we work on together becomes successful, it's because we met each other. Anyways, we can move on from this. <laughs> we're, we're we're boring our guests now. Um, but, but oh, sorry, what? Yeah. <laughs> sorry, but he I, said he got his first directing gig in L.A. because he walked up to a guy. Right. I walked up to a guy in a bar. I'm literally three months so, in. I walked up to a guy uh, in a bar. That job came out of him meeting basically quote unquote the right person but 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 making his uh but making it making his own connection from his own you know just the person that he is basically from his own hustle absolutely if if you would say sure um but i think it's really interesting about this whole um agent thing and manager thing because if you were directing you know if you you've been directing all these things you have a post-production company like it seems like you have all the ingredients for someone that would be signed. Did you just not want to have an agent oh, or no. manager? Oh no, I, I was des- I was desperate to get signed, but no. But the universe said, nope, he's not ready. Nope, it's not that that that's not his path. I, look on paper, I I had everything an agent would probably want at that time, uh, and even at this time. But I now I don't want one. Like I truly don't. Oh, I don't, now you I, don't. No, now I truly you're don't. over it now. <laughs> no, because I just I understand. Look, I've been doing this long enough to he understand the it. value. I don't need it. I don't need to give ten percent away to somebody unless yeah, they're going to provide value your own to me. Project. Right. Why am I going to do that? If I'm going to generate my own project, generate my own income, why am I going to give ten percent away? Now, listen. If Marvel calls me tomorrow. Then I would like to get a nice high-powered agent to negotiate and to and right. show me the show me the show me the right. studio world because I I know a little bit about the studio world and I've played in the studio world a little bit but I don't know the inner workings of it and I would need someone to help me with that so at that point right. that provides me value and that's worth ten percent right. for at that point in the game but if they're not calling me uh, you know I'm not going to negotiate negotiate my own deal with right. a big studio I have to have an agent or I have to have a right. manager or I have to have an attorney. One right. of those three people have to be in my life. But you just haven't gotten to the point where you need that yet, basically. I just don't. I I, I truly don't need it, and it's not the game. I'm I'm not. It's not the 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 game I'm playing anymore. I changed the rules of the game a long time ago for myself because I was trying to play the game that everybody else is trying to play, and I decided, you know what? If no one's going to invite me to their effing party, then I'm just going to create my own party and I'm going to do it myself. And you know, and if and and I'm just gonna do my own thing. And my 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 feeling is that if you create your own thing and you do your own thing, and people will come, and that's exactly what's happened in many ways. 
So is Indie Film Hustle, like, you creating your own thing? Is that sort of the beginning of this? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, okay. absolutely. Yeah, Indie Film Hustle, when I created Indie Film Hustle, it, it was uh, – it has now turned into something that is, you know, larger than I thought it would become. And it's growing more and more on every day. And, uh, you know, it's now become a serious, serious business. You know, it is, yeah. it is, it is, it is my thing. I don't work anymore. I, I, haven't, I haven't done post in a year. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, I, I actually, 2019, I actually said to my wife, I was like, I'm not doing any more post-production anymore. Even if jobs come in, I'm just going to give them to my friends. And she's like, well, you haven't done one anyway, so what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> fine, if you just want to say it out into the universe, knock yourself out. But um, but basically, that's what you've been doing. And the only jobs I did were for friends, like people who I knew that wouldn't be a pain. When you're in post-production for as long as I have, and I'm, you know, as you get older, your tolerance for crap just goes down. Oh, yeah. You know? And it just, I, I don't put, I just can't put up with it anymore. Putting up with people's egos and crap and chasing money. And I'm like, I just rather not deal with that. So I've kind of just like, you know what? I'll, I, I'll be very choosy if a job comes in and it has to be a very, very large payday for me to even consider it. And I'm not trying to be that. I'm not trying to be cocky. I'm not trying to be arrogant about it. It's just where I am in, in my life. I have, I've been blessed right. to play, so I don't have to do that. Uh, thank God. So when you started Indie Film Hustle, was it always the plan for it to be like this business like that would generate income and all that? Or did you start it just like kind of with the idea of like, oh, I'm going to have a podcast and just see how that goes? Oh, no, this was a business straight up. I read a book uh, about a year earlier called The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. Ah, and yes. That, and that book was the genesis of Indie Film Hustle. Like that was like, oh, wait a minute. When I read that book, my mind was blown. And I was like, oh, my God, I, I can do this. I can run an online business. I, I so can do this. And then I started – then I just started absorbing as many books as I could, Gary Vee, Seth Godin, all these kind of guys in the space, and then started listening to podcasts like crazy about online businesses. And I just started learning how to build a, a real online business. So when I launched, I launched like with guns a-blaring. You know, I, I like – you know, a lot, of, a lot of friends of mine who are in this space, they actually – all of a sudden this dude just shows up and I'm everywhere. And they're like, who right. is, who is this guy? And how did he, where did he come from? And they <laughs> right. like reached out to me and they literally would say, who are you? And how are you doing this? Like it was just people who had been in this space for like five years. And I just showed up, but I, I, I really came in very prepared and it started off is, and, and it still is a business, but at the core of it though, it was, I wanted to give back. I wanted to be of service to my community. I wanted right. to, I, I was tired of seeing so many filmmakers get their asses handed to them by this business. And I'm like, it doesn't have to be this way. So I said, you know what? I've been around the block a few times. I've been, I don't know everything, but I'm going to throw my hat in the ring and I'm going to just kind of right. and just tell people how it is for real from my perspective and from all the experience that I've been able to gather over the course of my career. And in a, in a very raw I mean, if you listen to some of my early stuff, even well, even my later stuff now, I'm still yeah. very raw, but I, I do it with a, you know, with 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 lack of a better word, love. I do it with yeah. love and and rawness. So I'm like, I want look, I gotta shake you up, I gotta scare you straight, you know. But like I always say, follow your dream, but don't be an idiot. Like there's, <laughs> right. that's basic. <laughs> I'm very, very encouraging. Raw. That's what I. That's one of the things I find unique about your podcast. Yeah, I, uh, there is how like kind of personal it is. Oh, there's yeah. I I'm very open and very transparent about my 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 uh, downfalls, my my failures, my successes, my yeah. fears, the things that have stopped me, and I think that 
being open uh, and the and the bravery that goes along with that is what's kind of made the the podcast successful because I just, I'm just trying to help. Honestly, I'm just trying to help. Yes, it's a business. Yeah. Of course it's a business. Look, we can't do all this for free forever. You have to figure out a way to, right. to make a living out of it. And, and, the, or, and, the, or, and, and or can we, hmm? that's what yeah, I'm trying to I prove to the world. I don't think making a living <laughs> on the podcast. Not, not on the podcast. No. no, I'm just doing this for fun. Basically. <laughs> that's my whole thing. Maybe I should be thinking it more like a business. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is this, this is what I've discovered in my journey with Indie Film Hustle is that, the more I can generate as far as income and, and make it this more of a business, the more I can actually create, the more content, the more of service I right. can be because I can hire people to help me. I can build out more content. I can build out more education. I can build out more things that can help more people. If you're not making money to do it, you can't do it. And I'm not, right. you know, and I'm trying and, and, and what I'm giving them is a value. So right. like I always tell people, I'm like 95% of what I create is free. I so, charge for 5%. So how do you make money then? If that's the model, is it all advertisers? Is that is that no, how you advertising is like less than a percent? <laughs> oh wow! So what? So what is the the return? Like, how do you make the, the money? Basically, with indie film hustle, there is I diversify my revenue streams dramatically. So there is, I, I I'm not even exaggerating. Maybe a hundred different revenue streams coming in every month, but they're all like. It could be $5, could be $1,000, could be $5,000, could be, you know, $10. But they all vary and they all vary month to month and they all kind of changes left to right. Can so, you give me some examples? Um, well, there's affiliate marketing. So there's there's affiliate marketing, which is, is you know, like Amazon, which is everybody, uh, you know, you do Amazon affiliate marketing. There's uh, online education. Uh, there's... Uh, now book sales, uh, uh, the, the, on, the online education are the courses that you offer, right? Is right. Yeah. 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 I, I generate, uh, I generate, uh, online education courses, things like that in different aspects of the film business. Yeah. So and you have I, the script reading services. Is that one of the, that's one things? of the, that's one, that's a new one that I launched, uh, late last year. I think we launched that. So mm -hmm. there's just multiple things. IFH TV just launched in November, which is the, the streaming service. So that's like Netflix for filmmakers. So that's uh, up there. How, how much does that cost? Is that like $4 a month or something like that? It's or? no, it's 1399. It's 1399, oh. but you get like, my God, so much. Fat. Like I'm, oh, I got wow. full blown. There's probably about a thousand videos up there right now. And I, I just hundreds and hundreds of hours of wow. courses, movies, documentaries, making ofs, uh, workshops, uh, lectures, Things that are just all in one place, and it's it, the value is pretty immense. Uh, and, how, and how many subscribers do you have? You don't, I mean, roughly, like roughly, how many subscribers? Under you a million, you under a million subscribers. Under a million, like over five hundred thousand. <laughs> under a million, over two. Over two. Okay. <laughs> Sounds, we sounds don't have good. to get too specific. I'm, I'm just curious because the reason why I asked about that is because I, I was uh -huh. And if I for... wanted to start one of these businesses, how would no. I get into no. it? I, I have no interest in starting my own business of this nature. Do you know all the names that. of your followers and subscribers? No. Could I? I could just send numbers? you an. I could. I could just send you an email list. If that. If that I, mean, I could just no. send you the list. So would I, that be helpful? No, I'm asking because I, I work for a streaming service. Um, sure. Do, doing some directing last year and. You know, they were very vague with me about how many subscribers they had, but it was very clear that it wasn't that many, right? And I think it's very hard to get subscribers. So that's why I was curious is because you know, I see all these different streaming services. I mean, freaking uh, Seed and Spark has their own streaming service now too. 
and they're just popping up all over the place. So I'm just like, I'm wondering like, well, you know, now that they're going to have fucking Disney, you know, Apple's got one coming out. Yeah, uh, dude, that's the, the DC one. Warner, they're all these ones. Like, like, what is does it like even pay for some a smaller fry to have their own? Well, he just described service? it as a revenue stream, so it seems like it's probably right. at least something. Huh? But the thing is, this I always tell people that the riches are in the niches. So if, <laughs> if you're able, like if if you're able to to um, to serve a small community. Uh, that's where it is yeah. because look, if you're a filmmaker, look, we're all going to get Netflix, right? We're going to get Netflix because yeah. Netflix is there. And Disney, when Disney comes out, more likely we're going to get it because the Star Wars shows on it. But you know, uh, so you're going to probably get Disney, right? But that's broad market stuff. But yeah. then if you got like if you go to, uh, did you ever see the documentary Food Matters? No. no. Anyway, it was like a, it's a documentary. It's a documentary about like, you know, eating healthy and all that kind of good stuff. Right. Well, that that filmmaker, that the, the team of filmmakers, the husband and wife, they launched their own streaming service. It's called the Food Matters TV. And, and because their food, the, the documentary was so valued in that small niche of like vegan and vegetarian and healthy eating and taking care of your body and all that stuff, they made a lot of noise with that. So they parlayed it and leveraged that name and brand into a streaming service. So now that streaming service they have is dedicated to a small group of people, which arguably is not that small, but it's a niche audience that they already have. So why not create a product for them? So... Sure. You know, Robert Rodriguez making... created his own streaming service. Uh, well, it's a Robert, net, yeah, full, full network. No, no, right? he has sure. L Ray. That's a whole other. L Ray is a, a whole broadcasting network. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's like a whole. A big, that's, a, that's he's a on a whole. Deal. Look, Robert's on a different level on many, yeah. many different levels. Right. Exactly. We shouldn't use his name in the same conversation as us. Let's just put yeah. it that way. <laughs> For sure, none of us is direct, are directing ba- Alita Battle Angel. You know. Yeah. So. Exactly. Or does everything that he does. He's right. He's a legend. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so that makes sense. So basically, you know, but did, when you started Indie Film Hustle, like however many years ago it was, like, did you know that this is where you were going to go with all these different revenue streams and offering all these different services? Or is it something that kind of came naturally? Oh, you hoped. Okay. I hoped. Like, you look, there was a plan. It's like anything. You open up a business, you like, I hope I sell some potatoes today. You know, like I, that's, you know, that's kind of the plan uh, when you open up a business. And as you, for all you as potato you, sellers out there, for all you potato sellers out there, <laughs> uh, but you know, as you continue to grow a business, you start, you know, pivoting and learning new things. You're always constantly learning. You're always constantly seeing what's working, what's not working, and you adjust and you move. and And then when you see something that works, you throw a little gasoline on that fire, and 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 you grow it there. And they're like, okay, well, let me try something else, and try something else, and try something else. So you're always constantly building something to a point where. Uh, you you have something that's like oh my god this is can sustain my family and I can actually do a lot of good work with this now and I, w- I look I, this is not new I I just basically stole blueprints from Gary V and Pat Flynn and all these kind of guys you know John Lee Dumas these guys have been doing this in the internet marketing space for a long long time where they're yeah. building out businesses creating products this is not revolutionary but, but stuff. you just did it for for filmmaking basically yeah I did it for filmmaking and I just did it at a different just in a different way uh, than because mm. there's other there's other platforms out there there's other you know podcasts out there uh, and they're just doing their thing and that's fine but I this is just it, like I always tell people I don't compete with anybody because no one competes with me we there's no way that anyone else else can be me 
I have a very right. unique thing. I can't be you guys. Like, I, if right. I tried to be you guys, I couldn't do it. Right. I, it. You have a specific flavor. Everyone's got their own flavor. Exactly. So I never look at anybody as competition, you know, even big websites, you know, uh, out there that might look at me as, as a competition. I don't look at them as competition because they're just doing things differently. Sure. Uh, and and just and running their business indifferently. It's good, just different. Good natured person. <laughs> I, well, I don't. I, that's like, a very I don't positive outlook. I mean, but that's. I but, love it. Look, that, but that's kind of the way you have to look at things. Yeah, man. no, I, mean, I, if you, I if, agree. If, I love that. Look, and I'm. I haven't always been this way. You know, when I first started out, I was studying everybody, and 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 you have to. You have to understand who who's who are the players in the game, and. And you still study everybody. You understand what everybody – look, I know what other people – I look I look at other people's podcasts. And I look at what they – you know, like how they set up their description, how they set up yeah. this or that. He's yeah. scoping you uh, out, Alric. No, right. but I you – know, but, I, but, I, but I see it. When I see it, I'm like, oh, they got that from me. Oh, they did that. But I did the same thing from other podcasts yeah. Yeah. outside yeah. of this space. Of it's just the way – look, we all borrow from other people. That's how we learn, how we grow. That's how filmmakers are. I mean, everybody's borrowing from, you know, Edison. <laughs> you know yeah. who shot the first two shot or sure. the first you know, single it's we're all doing it so yeah. you know <laughs> am i wrong like you know he's no, the no, one no. that set up the camera it's like the that's a one shot. shot that's a medium shot oh so now God, everyone has funny. stolen everyone's yeah. stolen the medium shot you know everyone's stole yeah that's just Hilarious. the way it is <laughs> so i i have to say this just you know in uh you know r.i.p timothy like this is a thing that timothy used to talk about a lot was um hashtag you know, r.i.p timothy yeah so <laughs> you know <laughs> indie film hustle is uh you know called the number one filmmaking podcast on yeah on the internet and absolutely t- t- timothy <laughs> would always talk about this and like we would like do we do searches and, you know, like depending on how you search, like different podcasts will come up as the number one podcast. So was that something that you just claim just for advertising or is no, that something I, that you no, actually, actually like? No, I, for, a t- for a very long period of time on iTunes, if you typed in the word filmmaking, I was the number one. Right. Period. Right. Period. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like right now, if you type up indie film on iTunes, I'm number one. So I'm yeah. I'm the number one indie film podcast, if you wish. Right, uh, you know, right. Uh, you know, but if you type just, in making movies into, uh, you know, you're number one. So you're the number, number one, one making movies <laughs> podcast. Right. It's all right. how you present the exactly. information. Exactly. Um, but but that and and by the way, argue fun, funnily enough, I didn't know that it was one of my friends slash competitors who uh, we had a mastermind. Well, oh, we yeah. talked every week and they and they were looking me up while we were in the mastermind. They had a podcast, a filmmaking podcast. And yeah. they go, hey, Alex, by the way, you're number you, you, I don't know if you know, you're the number one search on filmmaking. I'm like, what? Oh, that's funny. so I and, and then like within an hour, it was everywhere on the Internet. That oh, was, that's <laughs> hilarious. You're and he's like, like I, he's like, like, I using can't believe that. it. Because yeah. I can't believe I can't believe I told Alex that. God, damn yeah. It. Um, and well, then of I course, just, you would use it. <laughs> well, yeah, but, you know, I just I just did. So. Yeah, uh, that was that that no, that was a legitimate thing. It was just yeah. all about how you present it, and that's marketing. Yeah. That's right. marketing. Oh, I how think you, it's I think it. it's totally fine. No, no, I don't. Know. I mean, <laughs> hey, I I think I think we could you could call yourself, uh, you know, number one this, number one that, and whatever, and you know, I think it's all it's all the same. But uh, yeah, I mean, anyways, because <laughs> it just depends on how you word it. Like we could be like, yeah, number one movie making podcast or number one. Yeah, but it might, uh, but it might had the he's the number one. Uh, what is it? I think he was the number one movie making podcast. So yeah. it, like he, this is before you guys came onto the scene. Right, right, yeah. So we're, we're, he, we're not he's that like, old. 
Yeah, he said he said he he sent me a link. He's Alex. I'm number one movie making podcast on that. I'm like, that's awesome, dude. That's great. That's funny. And started trying yeah. to use it, and he used it, and it was great. Look good. It's, yeah. Why look, not? Why the, wouldn't at, you at, use it? No, at the I'm end of the day, saying. it's about it's at the end of the day is are you providing value to the audience that you're trying to say? I'm not trying to cheat anybody. I'm not trying to tell right. anybody anything else. Am I providing value? Am I trying to? I want to get ear ears on my on my show and on my content so I can right, help right. people. And that's right. what I do. I think you yeah, cannot yeah. be faulted for that. No, I'm just, just <laughs> apparently Timothy Timothy rest in peace had 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 some issues. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, I think I think there was definitely a time where where we where we typed in indie film filmmaking pot or indie filmmaking into iTunes and ours came up above here. So I think that was why at a at a moment. But you know whatever. So anyways, anyways just saying, just saying. Uh, amazing, sir. Amazing, no, no, amazing. No. <laughs> I think we off air. We need to have a little uh, a little intervention about this. Obviously, this is no. something that's still bothering Honestly, you. Honestly, Alex, I'm so sorry that he brought this up. I'm embarrassed. No, I don't mind. I don't mind. No. For everybody I, I, involved. Are, are you are you embarrassed, Not, Not even no. a little bit. I just, don't worry about I, it. I'm, I just I'm messing with like, you. Like like Timothy would appreciate this. You know, if you ever listen to this podcast, I think he'd, he'd appreciate that I that I spoke up for him. <laughs> you That's told all. me this, Timothy. A it's while all ago, good, and I just cannot believe you brought it up in the middle. <laughs> not, not even like Why not? there wasn't even like a segue. You just it's brought all good. it up, no, guys. I thought, it was a good, I thought it was a good moment, <laughs> guys. I almost shot a movie. Look, I almost shot a movie for the mob, dude. Do you think this bothers me? No, it doesn't. So don't worry oh, about it. Now talk about now talk about transitions. <laughs> Alex. What? That so, was subtle. <laughs> that subtle. Was so, so your book. So talk. So is this a fiction book? Is this a how-to no. book? Like, what is this book? Tell it's us this ha- book. It, it, it's how not to make a movie with a mob. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Wait, so, is, is that the title of the book? All right. So the book is called, my new book is called Shooting for the Mob. And I will read you the synopsis really quickly because that's the best way to tell tell uh tell you what it is right a bipolar gangster a naive young film director and batman what could go wrong alex ferrari is a first-time film director who just got hired to direct a 20 million dollar feature film the only problem is the film is about jimmy an egomaniacal gangster who wants the film to be about his life in the mob from the backwater towns of louisiana to the hollywood hills alex has taken on a crazy misadventure through the world of the mafia and hollywood huge movie stars billion dollar producers studio heads and of course a few gangsters populate this unbelievable journey down the rabbit hole of chasing your dream. Would you sell your soul to the devil to make your dream come true? By the way, did we mention that this story is based on true events? No, seriously, it is. So when you say it's based on true events, is it like a, wait, like a, stop. a fiction right. book wait, or is it like a wait, real? Wait, 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 like, wait, wait, what? wait, okay, what? wait, what? wait, what? what? I feel like there's going to be a great answer to that question. And before he answers it, okay. I just need to know. <laughs> The Batman part. Yes. Oh. Is Batman in the book? Yes. Okay. Now, <laughs> please explain the based on true events part. Okay. So about 95 to 98% of this book is completely 100% true. It happened exactly the way it's written in the book. To this happened you? To me. Yes. This is a real book that happened. This is a real story that happened to me when I was 26 years old, when I was hired because I noticed the main character is also named Alex. Uh, well, his name's Alex Ferrari. So yes. That would, <laughs> okay. I'm, so it just unless is I have you. no uh, if yeah if it's if it's a fictional character I have no creativity whatsoever. Um, is this yes. bi- is this like autobiographical? It's completely autobiographical. Oh wow! This is this is the origin story of basically indie film hustle and of my entire career. Interesting. This you is, make it sound so a, fantastical that I thought maybe it was just like you know, oh no based no based on you know no 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 no, no 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 no. Every when you read the book, 
95 to 98 percent of it happened what there's maybe two it's like it and i have and i have witnesses and um (laughs) is it unbelievable but is it dramatized or is it like no word this is what happened Oh no, it's word for word, man. I'm not oh, I wow. like I'm 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 just I just kind of look, th- this is the deal. I wanted uh, this happened to me 18 years ago. It was the darkest time of my entire life. Uh, imagine being so close to your dream on multiple occasions and it get ripped away from you while you're getting verbally abused and a little physically abused by an egomaniacal bipolar gangsters basically going to work with Joe Pesci from Goodfellas every day. Wow. When he's funny, he's funny, and when he's not, he's fucking terrifying. So imagine that, but if and the mob stuff alone was good enough, but then actually that Hollywood took him seriously where I'm flown out to LA as a 26-year-old kid and I'm meeting billion dollar producers, huge movie stars. I'm at the Chateau Marmont, I'm at the uh, at the Ivy, I'm at Spago's, I'm meeting celebrities, uh, all this kind of craziness. And I met Batman, one of the actors who played Batman. I was invited to his <laughs> mansion. One? I can't tell you. Um, you can't tell me. You have to buy I the book. Te- you have to buy the book. Uh, uh, even in the book, and, and even uh, actually, all the names, Alex. all the names, all no, 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 all the names have been changed in the book. So actually, any actors oh, you really people- can't tell us. No, I really can't tell you. I can't I, tell I, you. I bet you it's Val Kilmer. That's just gonna say that. Put my money on Val Kilmer right now. Just, just <laughs> that makes it me out think there. that uh, there's like more of a story there. It's Adam West. It's Adam West. I'm sorry. It's Adam West. <laughs> it's Adam. It's West. Adam <laughs> West. It's Adam. Really? West. No. Uh, but no, of um, course not. It's not. So there's Adam an entire. West. It's entire. It's an it's entire chapter. Uh, it's an entire chill, uh, chapter dedicated to my meeting with Batman when wow. I went to his like Wayne Manor house and wow. I'm sitting there talking to him and and we're like oh my god this is that like i can't even dude i'll tell you one story that happened in the book okay because it's it's this is how this is a good microcosm of what the book is so i'm at a i'm at a restaurant with jimmy jimmy's the gangster and we're at this this big Hollywood and, uh, restaurant. i'm sorry are you this guy's like assistant no no i'm the director i'm the director jimmy is the producer and and he wants the movie I'm wondering to be about who his the life. gangster is to you no one i just met him Oh, I like see. He, like he hired me. A, a friend of ours connected us. It was a job. It gotcha. was a job. Gotcha. By the time I realized what was going on, it was too late. I was already in. I was, I was in. Just like Al, Al Pacino, I, 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 they won't let you go. They just won't let you go. You have so to we're watch at this, the Get Shorty television show. Yeah. So we're basically oh. – So, but this is real life. Like this actually happened. People already have already said, oh, this we're is kind of like Get right. Shorty. I'm like – yeah, but this is from, uh, but it's me. It's, this really happened, <laughs> right. and it's not nearly as cool as it, it was when it gets. It was more like terrifying. <laughs> it is absolutely terrifying, and wow. I'll explain to you why. So I'm in this restaurant with Jimmy the gangster, and we're waiting by the bar for a table where I'm meeting an Oscar-winning actor that night, you know, for the part or something like that, right? And I see, you know, I'm seeing Bruce Willis, I'm seeing. Wow. Mark Wahlberg, they're all sitting around like, you know, I'm like, where the hell am I? It's like, it's, it's surreal, right? All of a sudden, and it's packed. People are like, you know, crazy. And all of a sudden, this director walks in. Now, this director at the time was the hottest young director in Hollywood. He had just done like, you know, a, a, if I told you his name, which I could tell you after after we off air if you'd like, because he's part of the Me Too movement, so I don't care. Um, oh. Well, tell, tell, say it on air. Oh, God. Wow, Alrick. Smooth uh, tactics. I'll think. I'll, th- I'll think about it. Okay. Uh, so, 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 so he walks in with his supermodel girlfriend, right? And I'm like, I'm a fan because I love his movies. And I was like, oh wow, you know, this I can't. Like, hey, hey, Jimmy, look who it is. And Jimmy goes, 
hey, kid, you want to see something funny? And I'm like, what the hell's going to happen? He turns to him, and this is not his name, and he just goes, hey, Bobby, how you doing? That's all he said. And this director turned pale white, started to <laughs> shake, and pissed himself. Really? I'm not I'm not exaggerating. Wow. And he's like, hey, Jimmy, how you doing? And started what? backing up wow. and grabbed this. I got to go. I got to go. Grabbed his girlfriend and bolted out of there. Wow. And I'm like, what the hell happened? He goes, oh, me and Bobby got go way back. And in the book, you know the story. The story is written in the book of how, why that situation happened. Wow. But, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it was, uh, and that's a small microcosm of of that, you know, I mean, I mean, do you guys ever see True Romance? Oh yeah, yes. of course. Okay, remember when uh, when um, Christian Slater is, is at the end at the producer's house? Yeah. Oh yeah, that's basically where I, I was. In, I was in one of those houses. I was in one oh, of those okay. situations. Right. I, you know, a like fight like that though? No, it would have been super cool, but no, there was no there was no gunfight <laughs> or, or super terrifying. <laughs> no, no gun, no well, gun, no gun motion, no gunfights, no gunfights, yeah, no bodies. Slow motion, no bodies. Okay. I okay. I actually walk around in slow motion at all times. Oh, uh, do you? With, with with a theme with a theme song with a theme it's song your, and it's in fire. Your contract. It's in my it's in my it's in my rider and I have explosions behind me at all times. Yeah, at all times. <laughs> of course. So yeah, the, um, that's that's the book, man. That's basically. So the book. so what made because obviously this is a true story and this is something that you've probably had written down for a long time like mm-hmm. was this ever a movie that you're gonna try to make was this ever part of the plan or was it always like oh no i want to save this for a book no i actually always wanted to make a movie i didn't always want to make a movie about it look you have to understand like nobody wants to go back to the darkest time and the most traumatic time in their life and live there while you write something like it's not something somebody wants to do so it was the the cinematographer who i met on that show who now is an asc cinematographer very a big famous uh, cinematographer He's been a best. He's been one of my best friends since since that situation, and he would always tell people about it at parties, and I would become like the parlor oh. trick. And he's okay. like, "Are you the director? Did that really happen? I thought I thought Boris was just joking." I'm like, "No, he's not joking," and I would tell him the story, but I didn't want to kind of talk about it because I don't want to talk about it. Like it was yeah. a very tough. It's embarrassing. Time. Yeah, it's not even embarrassing. It's just like traumatic. It was traumatic. traumatic. It's okay. the best. Look, I, I went into a depression. I almost went bankrupt. I was. I always tell people, "I'm broken. I'm broke. I was broken. Broken." Like literally, that's that's you know. Imagine, mm. the, and this happened over a year. It wasn't like a month or two. A year of my life was wasted on this situation. Wow. So I, my buddy Boris, he's like, you have to write the screenplay. I'm like, I'm not writing a screenplay. Who's? I'm not gonna go chase money for this. He's like, we'll write a book. And I'm like, son of a bitch, I can write the book. And at that point, I had already had Indie Film Hustle up and running and everything. I'm like, you know what? I'll just write the book and I'll sell it to my audience. It's a good, it's a good allegory of what not to do when you're chasing your dreams. Because I literally sold my soul to the devil, and I. I was in a bad situation that I I didn't never I never left by choice because I didn't have the balls to leave. So I wanted to put something out there that tell people, look, if you're in a bad situation, whether in the business or out of the business, you have a choice. And and what are you willing to do for that dream? Are you willing to sell your soul out? Are you willing to compromise who you are just for the mere chance of this business? And I'm like I wanted I wanted like the companion piece for Rebel Without a Crew. So Rebel Without right. a Crew is the successful story. This is a different kind of successful story because I, I, you know, I obviously am here and I'm I'm doing my thing. Right. But it, it, it didn't lead off to the magical wonderland you, of Oz you like make it did the for movie. Robert. Yeah. No, which would have been actually the movie would have been actually pretty cool. The movie of the yeah. movie, like of the gangster, <laughs> it actually would have been actually pretty cool. But right. anyway, so I, but yes, I I own the rights for the movie. It will become a movie one day. But I wanted the book first. I think the book right. could reach a lot more people. Right. That, away. that was that was my next question. Was like, now that you have the book, will you make the movie? If someone wanted, to make, obviously you would. 
Yes, and I'm gonna. Ha- and th- there's only two prerequisites to the movie. Anyone listening who wants to make this movie, only two prerequisites. I have to direct, and Boris, my cinematographer, has to be the DP, which should oh, be yeah. a problem on either no. on either side. Other than that, that's it. Other than that, I'm open. Let's make it happen. Right. Well, at this point, you've directed enough stuff. You've got what two features that you've done, and I've you got know, two features. I've got bunch of shorts. Tw- 25 years in post production, and uh, yeah. I've, I, I, I'm. I if if no one's gonna give me three to five million bucks to make this at this point in the game, I'm like, well, go f yourself because I'll just you know eventually I'll make it myself. It'll get made one way or another. Wow, for day. three to five million, that's what you want? Um, yeah, that's where I kind of pulled the number out of my butt out of it. I'm like, yeah, yeah I think we can make wow. this for three to five million bucks. <laughs> I mean, you know, I you know, I made my I made my first I, I made my first feature for five grand. I made my second feature for three grand, and yeah. it looks pretty decent. Booyah, so I, I Alric! I, I think I think if, I think someone made made uh gave you five hundred thousand to a million. I think you probably get the movie made. <laughs> just, uh, just it's a, it's a but it's a period piece. It's a period piece. Yeah. So that's the problem. Yeah, it still, needs a still, little more money. Still. I mean, if you made a, if you made two features for under ten thousand dollars each, I think you could make uh, a period piece for a million. I'm pretty I'm pretty confident in you. Are you offering? <laughs> are you offering, sir? I, I not at the moment, <laughs> but maybe, but maybe, but maybe Alric one day. is a great producer. Oh, <laughs> thanks, Kellerman. <laughs> hold, hold on a second. Hold on. So, Alex, how long is the book? How many pages? Approximately. Uh, it's, a, uh, it's like a hundred and let me see, where is it? Like almost two hundred. And how long did it take you to write that? Uh, all in about a year on and off wow. because it was very difficult to write. Like I would skip full chapters cause I was, I literally I'm would sure. cry while I, I literally, that's why I was asking. I, I didn't know stuff. if yeah. it, it was very, very difficult to do. Cause like I said, who wants to go back to the darkest place in their, right. in their history and live there while you like rehash all of it. But the good news is, is that everyone always asked me, was it cathartic? And I'm like, yeah, it was extremely cathartic. That was but, my next question. <laughs> but the thing was though. I felt like there was a weight lifted off of me. Like that's why I can talk so freely about it now. But I didn't know I was care. But I didn't know I was carrying the weight. Right. Yeah. And that's the scariest part about it because I realized that this this event in my life completely changed the trajectory of my entire career because every decision from then that point on was guided subconsciously by the fear that I I held through this this whole time because I could have made a feature when I was thirty easily. Right. No problem. I had the technology. I had the experience. I could have done it. But it took me another 10 years before I got the balls up to just say, I'm going to go make my movie. Screw it. But I, I didn't know I was carrying that weight. And I'm and I said and I, at that moment, I just said, my God, how many other not only filmmakers, but other people are carrying around weights that they don't even know they're carrying. And it's completely guiding the, their entire life in the way that it shouldn't. It's pretty, pretty mind blowing. So another reason why I wanted to write the book. Mm-hmm. Wow. So I wanted to get on to Alex or Kellerman. Do you have any more book questions or can we move on to another topic? Uh, do I have your permission? Uh, yeah, I do have one more question, Alric. Where can I get the book? Where all fine books are sold, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, anywhere in the in the country and even, even wow, internationally as well. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's actually a real uh, – it's, it's like a real book with a real publisher and everything. It's insane. And I am working on the audio book as we speak. Are you doing the audio? I, I mean, if I if I didn't do the, I think they would. I mean, would why, I wouldn't. I wouldn't buy it. That would be insane. Would be ridiculous if you didn't do the audio for it. I have to do the audio podcast. It would be like crazy. I, I have to do the audio for, it. and I even do it. I even do my impression of Jimmy while I do it because oh, I, oh, I love the I love the audio. I love the audio book for uh, Disaster Artist, where he actually every time Tommy talks, the the actor friend of his does Tommy's impression. Oh, does I was like, the, oh, does he's the voice. like. 
Oh, as uh, he does that Tommy impression, it's so spot on. Oh, it's brilliant. Funny. So I was like, I got to do that. So every time Jimmy talks, I talk like this, you know. So it's like this cigar-ridden <laughs> gangster. Oh, that's funny. So, did, so, so you didn't self-publish. You got a, you took this out to a publisher, and you got a publisher to publish a book. Uh, a publisher reached out to me in the middle of me writing it. And they wanted me to write oh. another book about entrepreneurship oh, really? or something, and I just. Oh. I said, hey, I got this other book I'm writing. They're like, what is it? And I pitched it to them and like, oh, we want that book. I'm like, great. I guess. Oh, cool. You know, in a very Forrest Gump kind of way, it just like, oh, one less thing I have to worry about. It just happened. <laughs> yeah. And I, I've been on other podcasts and it's like, screw you, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was like, you know what, man? Screw that's, you. And like, like, hey, man, it just happens. Like, it, 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 when the, look, when I you assume start that going phone down call path, initially came because of someone that, he, that you knew. Uh, no. No, that was literally someone heard me on a. I was a guest on Entrepreneurial Fire, which is a, a big, big uh, internet, again, a big podcast in the internet marketing space. Mm. And uh, they just heard me on it and they said, like, oh, this guy might make a good uh, author book. Okay. Yeah. So you put yourself so, out there. Someone found you. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. Look, well, I always tell people, like, look, if you start going down a path, the universe will, you know, pick you up, man. It'll get, it'll get your sales up. And that's a, this is a perfect example. Something I wasn't looking for, never thought I would get in a million years, but a publisher showed up. So it was like, okay, wow. great. That's awesome. So question, um, now that, now that you're like, you know, doing the, the, the podcast, the indie film hustle thing is like your full-time job. Like, what does your life look like? Do you still do, uh, directing jobs here and there and like pick up freelance jobs? Or are you just completely dedicated to your own personal projects and the indie film hustle stuff? I'm dedicated pretty much right now to indie film hustle completely. And um, right now I have too many things going on. I'm not, you know, I have my second features coming out uh, soon. It's actually going to be premiering here at the Chinese theater, April 25th. Uh, I'm oh, doing wow. a screening uh, at the Chinese theater here in Hollywood. Nice. And, and then it'll be released awesome. shortly thereafter uh, on Amazon and on IFHTV first and then iTunes and all that kind of stuff. Are so, you going to sell tickets to that screening on the 25th? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it will oh, be sweet. available. Yeah, yeah, it'll be tickets. And then I'm doing uh, Q&A afterwards with my whole cast and crew. And then I'm doing oh, a, nice. an hour-long talk about uh, shooting for the mob. Sweet. I do and doing book signings and stuff we'll, like that. We'll there. try to drop this episode before that comes out, so people can actually get to the uh, the, the screening and see the movie. That'd be that, awesome, that sounds dude. like a pretty awesome event, you know, and a great great venue to do it in. Of course, yeah, you know? I was, I was, yeah, again shocked, that, and that was from somebody I knew. Yeah. Oh, th <laughs> awesome. There you go. Um, hey, so you I guess. <laughs> I love oh, Kellerman. He's like, I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm just, just saying, saying, just proving my point. <laughs> So is is the is the goal now just to keep on feeding the indie film hustle monster or are you like you know trying to like grow as a director and like reach a certain level in your career as a director or is it more like no I'm happy with the projects I'm making and the films I'm making and where I'm at like controlling my own destiny and like I'm just going to keep this business like you know thriving basically Yeah basically my 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 goal right now is to continue to grow into film hustle and, and turn it into, uh, into something even larger than it is right now. Turn it into eventually a multi-million dollar company where then I can just go direct my own content, direct my own movies and put it out on my own streaming service. I don't even have to deal with distributors if I don't yeah. want to. Um, and that's the goal. I, mean, I look at the end of the day, filmmakers want freedom. 
They want freedom to go make their own movies. They want a freedom to go do their own things. So I'm, I'm basically trying to do that myself. And if I could do that by helping other filmmakers and providing service to my community and to people at large, why wouldn't I do that? Like, it, it, I can't tell you yeah. what the feeling is to help other people and, and find that the work that you do, like I'm sure you guys get messages all the time too that they're like, man, because I listened to that episode because of that guest or because of something you said, I've, I've started you know, I started making my movies on the weekends or I, yeah. it, it's, 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 it's like food for the soul. It yeah, really it's pretty, is. It's pretty special. You know, it, it is. you just reach one person, you know, it's like you get that one message. It's like, Oh my God, it's huge. It's huge. So I'm addicted to that now. I, I'm literally addicted to it. Like a, like a smack addict. So I, I truly, truly love doing that and want to continue to do that. in in addition to, you know, expressing myself as an artist and building things out, but I'm already writing my second book already and I have a couple movie ideas, but movies, I will probably do a movie for at least another year or two. Oh yeah. Purely because I've got too much other work on my plate. So when you're not, what's your attitude towards, I'm just curious. Are you, now that you have started making features, are you only interested in making features? Would you still make a short film? No, I wouldn't make a short film anymore. I just, I, unless it just doesn't make sense for me anymore. If I'm going to exert the energy, look, I mean, I, I shot my last feature in four days at Sundance. So, wait, what? I mean, yeah, yeah my, you, my, wait, you didn't listen to the Just Shoot It podcast, Kellerman? Come on. That's all about it. Um, I'm, I missed that. I missed the four day part. That's why we didn't talk about it on this show because I feel like it's already out in the world and, you know, people can I listen did to listen episode. to that. You gave it okay. to me as required listening. <laughs> I did. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, yeah. I shot that movie. Can we just touch on it for just a second? Fine, we can touch on it. (laughs) Okay, so my second film is called On the Corner of Ego and Desire, which I wanted to make kind of like a this is spinal tap for filmmakers and and make a movie at Sundance. So I went to Sundance and guerrilla the entire shoot in four days where I'm trying to get three filmmakers to chase down a producer to sell their ridiculous movie. And that movie, if I because I love pitching that movie, uh, not the movie, but the movie inside the movie. <laughs> right. It's so ridiculous. And by the way, the name of the movie is so pretentious, I never remember it. That's how pretentious the name is of the <laughs> oh, movie. That's funny. I can't remember. Like you, t- if you gave me a hundred dollars, I would. I can't tell it to you. And I and I truly, I don't even go back to it because I don't want to know it. But the pitch is this: It's Shape of Water meets ET. Uh, with transformers drizzled on top. Now it's shot in black and white. Some shots are <laughs> some shots are ups, uh, upside down. Mostly shot in slow mo because we really wanted that true faux style French New Wave thing. But we really just uh, want to be in the Criterion Collection. That's so funny. as <laughs> as pompous of a pitch as you could possibly get is what I wanted to do with this film. And we shot oh, it all at funny. Sundance in four days and for about three grand, three to four grand, something wow. like that. That's awesome. So yeah, I, that's why I won't do a short because for that same amount of time, I can make a feature. Right, right. Wow. But you know, one of the things I really just enjoy the the short format of, sure, of yeah. storytelling. There's like, nothing I think wrong with it. Really, I mean, if I could do it and like get you know, if I had money to just make short films, like I totally would because it's it's like awesome. It's really fun. But like I think you know, especially when you're trying to grow as a director and like trying to get out in the world more, it's like the features is what makes the most sense because it's actually something you can sell a little easier, you know, and then also people take you more seriously if you're trying to like grow your career. If you're like, it's definitely you know, a different features. tier of film. Yeah. Everyone makes shorts films, you know, but not everybody makes feature films basically. Yeah. I mean, I've, yeah. I've made very successful short films in my career and I just saw what it did. It didn't do a whole heck of a lot for me. Those are really lottery ticket kind of situations when yeah. a short film is like, like whiplash or something like that. That's just lottery ticket style stuff. It's not, it's not the norm. Those are outliers. 
but a feature is a feature. And in now everyone, I mean, it, before it was very complicated and difficult to make a feature. So, but now more people have features. But even then, when you walk in saying, I, I'm a feature director, it carries a different weight, even today, yeah. where anyone could go make a feature. It's, it's different, you know, and then the more festivals you get into and the bigger, the better it does, like the more of a big deal that, that can be, you know. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And then also I feel like if you if you can sell it and get a profit, that's like even a big, bigger deal, <laughs> you know, which but if you make it for three thousand dollars, like that's not so hard to do, I imagine. You know, um, let me just put it this way. Both of my two big feature up to my two big short films I did cost way more than my right. two features. Right. There you go. Yeah. Um. Nice, man. So like, so your long term goal is just to like keep on doing what you're doing then. It's not like it's not the same goal that you had when you started, probably. Right. Like when you no. first started, like where did you see yourself? Were you like looking at, you know, the Marvel movies? You know, they probably didn't exist back then. But like, you know, the big blockbuster movies. Is that where you want to be when you were like twenty six starting I out? Mean, look, I was I mean, I was I was I grew up with Spielberg and, and Coppola and Scorsese and those guys. Of course, I wanted to do that. And then I was seeing David Fincher and, and that new generation. And let's not even talk about Robert Rodriguez and Tarantino and, and, and Soderbergh and those guys. So, of course, I wanted to be a feature director it was kind of like ingrained in my in my blood. And, uh, you know, as as you get older and, you know, as you get older in the business and you see more and more things, you start realizing you got to figure out what makes you happy. And chasing that carrot of working in somebody else's sandbox got really old for me finally. And when I didn't like I didn't want to like have to get permission anymore. You don't need permission to go make a movie anymore. You don't need permission to go do that. If you're able to do it at a certain budget range, you have all the freedom in the world you want. Now, I've been adding a lot of tools in my toolbox over the course of my career that allows me to go and make a movie for three or four grand because I don't have to worry about post-production because I'm doing all the post-production. I don't have to worry about the camera because I own the camera. You know, I don't have to worry about a lot of things because I own them or I've put those skills in my toolbox. So it does take time to get to that place, but you can get there if you just throw and put in that hustle. So I just decided for myself, I just didn't want to um, to play the game anymore. I Like I said, I changed the rules. You know, if somebody wants to work with me as a director, I'm, I'm here. I'll, I'm open to any pitches. If Marvel wants me to do Avengers 4, I'll be more than happy <laughs> to take Avengers, that meeting. Avengers 5 now or whatever. Whatever you know. it is now, yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, I'm, I'm open to that. But I, famously, Mark Duplass, the Duplass brothers, turned down a Marvel movie. Because right. th- they finally said, you know what, this is this is kind of not what we want to do. We don't want to be locked up for three or four years of our lives working in someone else's sandbox and not have complete creative freedom to do things. Like that's just not what we want to do. So they have a mm. very that really makes me cry inside. Uh, but it makes you cry inside. But it would have made them cry inside to, <laughs> to do, do that, of course. Because no, for it's them, very, it, 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 it's very brave. It's just something that they, because they're killing it doing what yeah. they love to do. But, so but, why but, yeah. wouldn't they? They're doing just but fine. That, that's for sure. That doesn't make that doesn't that makes sense to me. I mean, because they like have, they have complete freedom in their films and they get to make as many films as they want. You know, whenever and, they want, however they want, and they get it released yeah. whenever they want. Like, why yeah. would you? I mean, why just to get that that one big thing to to lead to more right. big movies that you have no control over? Like, it, it, it's not part right. of. You have to be self aware of who you are and what you want. And it took me a long time to get to that place. And that's where I am now. I am aware of what makes me happy because I'm not just about the that 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 dream that I had when I was a kid. I'm changing the game, and so you have to evolve. So, what is the goal now? Now that like, and, and well, the other question I had, uh, the second parter was like, when did that change for you? Was that like? 
you know, recently that you you sort of changed your hustle. goal? Indie oh, Film Hustle. Right when you started the company, basically? No, when I started it, it's just like as, as I started going through the process of putting out content every week and, and connecting with my tribe and, 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 and being of service, I was like, wait a minute, this really makes me happy. Like, this is something I really love to do. And I love making movies too, don't get me wrong, and I will continue to make movies, but they're it won't be the one thing anymore. Like before it was the end all be all, but now right. I'm going to write books. I'm going to, I'm going to do podcasts. I'm going to create content in multiple different areas. And movies are going to be one of those areas. Yeah. You're doing a lot. And, yeah. It's going to be all over the place and it just keeps things more exciting for me. And I'm able to reach more people that way. I'm able to just have more fun doing it. You know, like yeah. I, I did, I, I wrote a book like that's insane to me. Like I never, I was a kid that didn't read well in school, <laughs> you know? And like all of a sudden I wrote a book like that. I look at the book, I hold it in my hand. I flip through it. I'm like, who the hell did this? That's like, I can't funny. believe I did it, you know? And I'm sure somebody out there listening right now who wrote their first screenplay, I'm sure has the same feeling. Like I never thought yeah. I would write a screenplay when I wrote my first screenplay. I'm like, did I do this? Like it's, it's an insane thing. So I'm just challenging myself in multiple different ways and, and t- trying to continuously grow and and go into places that scare me. You know, writing a book, scary yeah. stuff. I'd never done that before. DPing my first feature film, never done that before. That was kind of scary. So yeah. I want to constantly, you know, like Joseph Joseph Campbell says, uh, the the treasure that you that you look for or you're searching for is in the cave that you are afraid to go into. And that's so true so now in much of my life when i'm afraid of something that's where i put the gas on because that's where you have that's where you have to go and most people don't do that and it took me a long time to figure that out so i'm always looking to challenge myself and always looking to go places i haven't gone before and 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 one other quote i always like to say and and this one really is it's it it hits you hard is that it was by um robin sharma he said that most people die at 20 and get buried at 90. Oh, oh man. Right. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's like Dark. it just hits you. It hits you like in the core of your being when you hear that quote. Yeah. And it's so true because people are afraid to take moving forward. They're afraid to take chances. They're they want to stay in that little construct in that little perfect comfortable box that they live in and never yeah. go anywhere. Yeah. And it's and if you look at any of these successful directors, producers, screenwriters, all of them are constantly challenging themselves or pushing themselves out of their comfort zone to get to another place. And when they stop doing that, which we've all seen those directors do that, when yeah. they stop challenging themselves, they go, they go, they go dead. Right? Yeah. There's yeah. some directors that we grew up with, which were making insane movies. And where are they now? Like, why yeah. aren't they still making insane movies? You know, Spielberg's still killing it. You know, he's well, pushing himself. You know. Yeah. You know. You know, Fincher, <laughs> all these guys. Yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like that's that's part of the joy of being an artist and a filmmaker is like pushing yourself and, and giving yourself the challenges. That's why like and the obstacles. That's why sometimes when you hear about like, you know, Netflix, like not giving any kind of pushback and they're giving their directors complete freedom. I think sometimes that can be a bad thing, because if you have complete freedom, and no one's pushing back on you, then sometimes that can limit your creativity because it's like the obstacles and the challenges that like force you to be more creative and come Absolutely. up with new solutions. And I sort of worry, like when I hear about like complete freedom, it's like, Oh gosh, complete freedom. Like maybe that's not such a good thing for, for well, an artist. I, I think it, I think it's complete freedom, but it's not an unlimited pocketbook. So right. 
that's the difference. Like I don't, I want creative freedom. I want complete freedom and I'll get pushed back from the, my collaborators. I, that, right. That's what kind of collaborators you grab to. But when you don't have the money and I promise you the Duplass brothers don't have, they're not being given a hundred million dollars to go make movies for Netflix. They're just, <laughs> right. they're just not. They're giving Scorsese a hundred million dollars, but they're right. not giving the Duplass brothers a hundred million dollars. So they have creative freedom, but they don't just have an endless amount of money. And I think that's where right. Robert Rodriguez said is so, you know, you can't turn the money hose on. You know, and that's what makes you a better filmmaker. When you can't turn that money hose yeah. on, that's what makes you better because you have to figure things out. You got to do things. And yeah, I, totally. I, I've and I've interviewed guys who work with the Duplass brothers who've directed for them for Netflix movies, and you know, I, I've seen, I've heard it from the inside. Like it's like, yeah, it's free. It's you have freedom. But it's not like we're rolling around eating caviar every day, right? Right. They're, they're not just like unlimited money. Like they have like you know, restricted budgets. Yeah, I've I've heard that too about them. That like you know they they're not like spending endless amount of amounts of money on everything. You know. No, the only people doing that is James Cameron on the Avatar movies. That's basically <laughs> right. whatever James wants. James gets. <laughs> right. 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 Uh, cool. Well, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, any last words, Alex? I mean, you talk a lot on your podcast, so I mean, I'm sure we could just jump over there and, and listen to your latest episode, but, uh, yeah. Any last things to say about filmmaking and like hustling? And I mean, the thing that I think is so interesting and maybe you'll, I'm sure you have an opinion too, is just like the whole goal thing that like all of us filmmakers have when we start out, like the goal and the dream of like being this filmmaker, like this, like one of the the, the small percentage, you know, but I think it's really beautiful that you've discovered your own dream and your own goal over your career. And now you're living it basically like you're, you're, you've, you've created a thing that you love doing and like you have an audience and you're getting to do everything that you've ever wanted. And I think it's great that you don't, you're not holding on to that dream that kind of doesn't really even exist, you know? Yeah. I mean, look, I, I've said this a couple of times on my show and, and it is something so it's something that I, I really hold dear to my heart. It's and it's very true. When you have a goal in life, you need motivation, you need inspiration to get pushed to, to to your goal, right? When you have a mission or you have a calling, it pulls you forward, and that's the difference I've discovered. I discovered my calling. I've discovered my mission in life is to help other filmmakers, is to get out there and express myself as an artist in the way that I want to do it. And it's pulling me forward. I don't need inspiration to wake up at, at 3.30 in the morning when I wake up every morning to go do the Dear stuff God. that I do. Okay? 3.30? I, I yeah, I did, I did a whole episode on my, on my daily routine. It's kind of Oh, well, I'll, I'll have to check that out. We'll put it in the show notes too. <laughs> so, But, you know, I don't need motivation. I I jump out of bed and I'm very excited to go to bed. I'm self-motivated because it's a mission. It's a calling. And when you have that in your life, and it doesn't have to be this grandiose thing. It could be as simple as my my calling in life is to be a director, is to tell stories. But you have to ask yourself, why do you want to do it? And if you could get down to the core, just keep asking the word why, it will get down to the core of why you're doing it. And if you understand the why you're doing something, which is, is a great book by Simon Sinek, um, you know, find your why. If you understand the why of what you're doing, it will become much more powerful. I found my why. Because it's not just like, oh, I want to be a director. That's too broad. You got to go, well, why do you want to be a director? Like, what's what's the purpose? Why do you want to tell stories? Oh, well, because I saw this movie. Well, what hit you when you saw that movie that you made you want to do this? Because you could just do a million other things. A million other people saw that same movie. Look, we all saw Jaws, but it was only a handful of us that said, I want to go make a movie after that. 
You know, there's there's something inside of you. What is it? So as you start going down deeper, deeper, deeper into your own psyche and you understand why you do something, that's when the mission, that's when the calling gets very clear in your mind and things become easier. The, the C's part for you. And it, they did for me, at, at least, when I understood why I was doing it. Because at the, originally, I didn't know. I was just trying to, I just wanted to be a director. I wanted to be, I wanted to be famous. I wanted, I wanted to be that rock and roll director like Tarantino. Look, right. everybody, look, ever since Tarantino showed up, the rock and roll director, the famous director really started to, to flourish. Yeah. That generation of film directors, they were all rock stars. Spielberg was, and to a certain extent, Scorsese, but I mean, you could ask people on the street, they wouldn't know who they are. You ask people on the street who Tarantino is, and James Cameron is now, and, and some of these bigger names, they get it because it's kind of this rock star. But Tarantino really kind of set that up. So I wanted that, but I didn't know why I wanted it. I just wanted it. I wanted to fame. Yeah. I wanted to be able to do whatever I wanted to do. I wanted to be director. I wanted, I wanted all the freedom and all the money to just be an artist. And that's fantastic, but unfortunately, we're in a very expensive art form. So you really <laughs> right. have to you have to really kind of go down and really understand why you want to be that director, why you want to be that writer, why do you want to tell stories, right. and, and, and what you, you have that, to offer too, you know, and like what what do you bring to the table? And are you afraid of going to those dark and dirty places in your life because you don't want to expose yourself? I'm like, if you when you read this book, and I hope you guys do, when you read my book, it is a raw. I mean, if you think my podcast is raw. This is brutally raw. Like I expose myself, not physically, but I expose myself. <laughs> well, um, sure, put not. your pants emotionally. Back on. <laughs> I I expose myself emotionally, uh, and I, I show the soft underbelly of my of the worst time of my life. And I said to myself, if I'm going to do this, it cannot be sugarcoated. I cannot hide. Right, right. And that's what people who have read it are like, holy cow, man! It's like it's hitting people really emotionally and and, and hard wow. because it's it's raw. And that's what you have to do as an artist. You've got to express yourself, Rob, and you can't do that until you know why you're doing it. So yeah, that's... You, do, you do that very well. I, that's that I really enjoy the psychology, delving into the psychology of filmmaking and uh, <laughs> and why we don't do things and why we do things. Yeah, uh, I, it, Alric didn't require me to listen to indie film hustle before we recorded this, but <laughs> I did go back. Maybe sound like an ogre. Jesus. I listened to a few. <laughs> My God, Alec! I mean, seriously, I, I'm really terrible. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I listened to a couple episodes, and uh, episode 300, you oh, talk about that was a rough one, yeah. the fear, and it's very like yeah almost asmr you're like kind of whispering into the yeah it feels very <laughs> it's really serious and very it emotional it felt and, yeah. really private yeah. um and i was like blown away by that i pre you know honestly that's humbling and i appreciate that man and in that episode i wanted 300 to be a really special episode i was like you know it was. what Let i me think just... you succeeded personally i i want to talk about why we're afraid of making movies because it's something that I struggled with for most of my career mm -hmm. for 20 odd years. I was afraid of making my feature film because of no. all the things I said there. And I was like, all of us are afraid. We're all afraid of something in some way, shape or form. And we have to understand why we're afraid. And like, do you want to be that guy who was born at 20 and buried at 90? I mean, dies at 20 and buried at 90. Do you want to yeah. be that person? And if you don't, then you've got to change your mindset. You've got to change the psychology of why you're doing that. And if, if you listen to the episode of um, the toxic mindset of a filmmaker, holy cow, that one, I've gotten more reactions to that episode than I've, I've, almost any other thing I've oh, done. Oh, really? Wow. Because it's all about, 
the construct that we've designed in our mind and why we limit ourselves and why we can't. Because if you if you talk, I'll talk about it a little bit if you want me to. But if you if you literally um, set yourself up like I'm the guy that makes fifty thousand dollars a year. Like my parents made fifty thousand dollars a year. This is all I've ever known. I can't make more than that. And on a subconscious level, that's where you are. So haven't mm. you ever met directors, writers, people that are super talented? And they should be making millions of dollars, be much farther along in their career, but they're not. We've all met those people. Why? Because they've stopped themselves because they don't believe that they're either worth it or they can't yeah. do it because they don't have any, any, anybody around them. And that's why rich people stay rich and poor people stay poor. Because have you ever met a rich guy who's an idiot? And you're like, how is this person? <laughs> He's failed up. Like, how is this possible? Right because of the programming that they get when they're between one and seven years old. And that, and that all of us get that same programming between one and seven, which we are programmed about everybody around us, our families, our friends, our parents, what they do, what they don't do. All this stuff is kind of like jammed into our, our stuff because, and people always say, well, like, is that real? I'm like, well, are there Spartans being born today? Are right. there Vikings <laughs> being born today? No, they're not. Like, it's all about the programming. Learned behavior. And it's all subconscious. And that's the scariest part about it because you have programs running in the back of your head. Like The Matrix is a documentary, like I say. You have programs <laughs> in the back of your head that is running your life, like me with this book. This trauma, traumatic story of, or traumatic event that happened in my life was literally guiding me through my entire career. And and, and I, because I, 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 once I realized that, I went back, I'm like, that's why I didn't do that. That's why I did this. That's why I self-sabotaged uh. myself there. That's why I did that. I'm like, why? Because I was afraid of going back into that place. You know, I was like, holy cow, I can't believe I'm doing this again. So wow. when you break that stuff down, that whole episode's insane because I, I went deep. I went deep. Yeah. I went deep into it, into the neuroscience of the filmmaker. Theory. No, I'm just I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Quantum physics, guys. Quantum <laughs> physics. I think, I, think, I think we'll just we'll put the link to the episode in the show notes. People can check it out. Uh, we, need to, we need to wrap this guy up here. We're getting real touchy feely, you know. But that's good. It's good. Um, but but no, I mean it's not on yeah. brand. I'm sorry. This is not on brand. I apologize for you, you know, guys. It doesn't matter. We're, we're all over the place. We, we, oh, you got Kellerman as a co-host. I'm yeah. I'm never yeah. on brand. We we got so many different co-hosts now. It's like you know we got. Is like there 10. even a brand? There is no brand. How's the only that going, Alric? Do people the have, have the people me, so. uh, voted? Who's who's like winning the vote? One person said, "As long as you are the co-host for every episode, that it doesn't matter because like you're just the through voice through all the the episodes." Yeah, I and guess so, that makes sense. But uh, but yeah, I mean, there's no. I haven't put up. I'm gonna put a poll out at some point and be like, yes. you know. <laughs> but I, I don't even know if I'm going to anymore because it seems like we're You've just gonna so have co-hosts. Many. We're just gonna have co-hosts yeah. forever. It just doesn't matter. Like, there's not gonna be. I just one need. I need the validation. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Kellerman <laughs> wants to have like you know the reviews every time we release an episode. He's like, what 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 reviews did I get? What do people say? I'm like, I don't well, know. Yeah, because if people hate me, then I don't want to like hold the show back. You know what I mean? <laughs> You're not Ke Kellerman, the show back. I, I, I'll put I'll put my vote in Kellerman. You were fantastic. Oh well, thank you, buddy. <laughs> I appreciate that. You've been a lovely guest. Uh, well, thank my you. My favorite, thank I you. might even say. Oh really? Wow. Well, Holy he just voted Lord. for me, so you know, <laughs> there's a little favoritism at play. So, um, so we, we all know where to find you then indiefilmhustle.com. Do you have like another, other links, other places you want to point people to? Yeah. Uh, indiefilmhustle.com is the main place you can get to get to me. Uh, indiefilmhustle.tv is to the streaming service. If you want to get the book, you just go to shootingforthemob.com. Takes you straight to Amazon. If you want to buy it, 
uh, on Insta on uh, social media. You can go to Indi at Indie Film Hustle pretty much everywhere on all the on the all the platforms, except for Instagram, nice. which is I Film Hustle and um, Bulletproof oh, Screenplay. Go to Bulletproof Screenplay. I Film Hustle right now on oh, Instagram. Oh, nice. There you Boom. go. One more follower. Uh, damn. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> you got me. Uh, yeah, and then uh, Bulletproof Screenplay for the Bulletproof Screenplay podcast, which is all about screenwriting and the process of screenwriting. And, and, and I you get, do that I, one with a co-host, or is that by yourself? I don't. No, I don't. I don't do the co-host thing. I just really? uh, well, first of all, I don't have one, so there's that. Wow. And I don't have. And I just, I've never had one, and I've never uh, had an opportunity to have one. And but I just felt that, uh, I, as as they say, I'm a lone wolf, sir. What, would you Would you do it if someone wanted to co-host episodes with you, or you wanted to bring you on as a co-host? Would you co-host, or are you like not uh, into it? Not real. I'm just not into it. I'm like I'll do it. I'll do it. A, I'll I'll do a, a guest spot or something like that. I love oh, yeah. I love this banter. The banter. Yeah, great. you love the it's, banter. It's, yeah, okay. I love the banter because it's like I could feed off of them. It's great. But so when I but I'm so used to doing it on my own. At least for my stuff, it's that's just who I am and that's the brand and right, that's, that's kind of what, what it do. is. Yeah. But but if someone else invited me to come on and just do a few episodes or something like that, if I could find the time to do it, I would right. be more than happy to. Right. I always love I always love it. Well, if people are like banging down my door and saying Alex Ferrari's best guest ever, like, oh man, bring him back. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'll be we'll more than some, happy to come. Well, well I'd be episodes. insanely jealous if that happened. <laughs> I wouldn't do it unless insanely. I would. First of all, first of all, I wouldn't do it unless Kellerman was on it. So it would have to be a three-way. Oh, a three-way. Three yes. So you're only going to do episodes if Kellerman. Oh, I on love. The show. I love this guy. That's great. Oh, <laughs> Wait, Alex, uh, let's get coffee or something. I, you guys are your best friends now. Oh, I mean, listen. God. I mean, like you said, like you know, he just complimented me, so I have to, you know. No. <laughs> that, that is amazing. Uh, but, if if there is a need for me to come back on the show, I'll be more than welcome to talk and yap as much as you'd like me to. Awesome. I'd love to talk yeah. to you again, buddy. Yeah, man, yeah. it'd be great. No, this, is, this is really fun. No, this has been great. Thanks for thanks so much for coming on the show. I'm glad we finally made it happen. Um, you know, I wish Timothy could have been here, but you know, um, he doesn't believe in us anymore. Timothy. So. All right, <laughs> Wow, um, man, you guys are fucking hating, dude. <laughs> I mean, well, are no, you guys are you guys buying the haterade by the palette? Just if, no, if, if no. anybody's confused, he's still alive. No, I have so much love for Timothy. I, 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 I now, I now, I see him once a month now. Now that we don't do the podcast anymore, we we do a one time a month. We meet up in person and hang out because you know we we miss talking once a week you know it's like we, we we grew this friendship over this uh the three and a half years doing the show and i was like well you can't leave unless we stay friends and we're like okay we'll stay friends once a month we'll have dinner and so we've we've, we've been on it we've been making it happen which has been great but uh well let let, let timothy know i said hi yeah no i'll pass it along <laughs> he's just he's just you know from the number one filmmaking tell podcast. him from the number one filmmaking podcast on iTunes let him know yeah, that no, no, no. I say hi he's gonna he's gonna hate me for for saying that on the show he's gonna absolutely but I I really wanted to talk about it I just think because I find it very interesting myself but anyways uh, we'll see everyone will be like oh boo all Rick you suck but whatever seems like an unpopular uh, opinion to me but you know oh uh, yeah okay, to each their own uh, Kellerman take us out man Thanks for listening, and thanks to Alex for being on the show. Uh, check out our website, makingmoviesishard.com, where you can find links to all the things we talked about. Uh, we'll have uh, links to the podcast and the book and everything. Um, and if you want to get in contact with us, send an email to podcast at makingmoviesishard.com or find us on Twitter and Facebook, MMIH Podcast. Uh, I'm Kellerman Writes a lot. 
on Instagram, and Alric is Alric B on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. And uh, please, if you like the show, tell a friend. <laughs> you wow. got to switch this up, Alric. This is like <laughs> you don't like you this? say this every time. Say whatever you want to say. You don't have to say that. Can I? Can I? Can I? Can I help? Please, please. So, guys. So, guys. So, everyone listening, if you like the show, please sign up. Go to iTunes. Leave a review. Tell a friend. Get this out there because it needs to get out there. These guys are killing themselves <laughs> every week to put a show together for uh. you, the listener. And all you, all they're asking for is a little review. Maybe share it with a friend. It's a link. It's a click. Do them a favor. Can you just have it, you do help it every people. week? I think it'd be great. Have you, you could just record me if you want. Yeah. You could just replay it every it's week. Really, yeah, yeah. So what It'll he's saying, I'll just rewrite the outline for you so that it has more passion. Because really, that's yeah. the biggest hey, difference. I say it very passionately. I don't know what, what you're talking sorry, about. Sorry, I guess I was just reading it, to be fair. but You're just uh, reading it boringly, like a boring well, person. Well, sorry. Alex, that was great. Thank you. And if the number one filmmaking podcast is saying it, you know you it's got to be true. Number oh, one bam, filmmaking podcast bam. said it about this show. <laughs> uh, I'll start writing I had to. our book. I had to. I had to. I had to. I had to. One day, will I have a book? I don't think so. Maybe. <laughs> we'll see. The Making Movies is Hard book. I got to make the movie first. And then once I get the feature done, then I can make a, write a book. You need to More get the Making the Movies flamethrower. The kids love that one. Oh, yeah, a, is, there, is there still a Patreon or whatever, Alric? Oh, there is still a Patreon. You gotta got to tell got, people about it got, if you want anybody. I got to... a new. I got a new patron this week. I'm very, very pleased with my new patron. It's awesome. Uh, yes, we have a Patreon. You can go to www.patreon.com/mmihpodcast. Do you want to shout Check that person out? out? What, who's um, that? Oh, I'm going to shout him out on the next episode, which is oh, gonna okay. Come out Sorry, I didn't so. mean to jump the gun. Yeah, but for all the patrons out there, thank you so much for your patronage. Much appreciated. And yeah, hopefully I'll do a bonus episode soon. But Kellerman seems to think that's a bad thing to do, so I won't. Maybe I won't do a bonus. I episode. what? Yeah. So you said last episode you're like bonus episodes. Who wants bonus episodes? Oh, I, I just thought it was a lame kind of like giveaway. Yeah, I think that's a great giveaway. Do a bonus, bonus episode? episode. Yeah, yeah but, you, but do a bonus but, episode anyway. No, but no one else can get it but the Patreon people. So it's like just for them only. So, okay. Well, if you're yeah. constantly using their names and stuff, then I suppose that's a good. Constantly using their names. <laughs> if it's really personalized. Over, yeah, to <laughs> John 752. <laughs> Thank you. John 752. Without you, this podcast would not happen. This is today's a, today's sponsor about... is Bob 757. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, sorry. I, mean, I, I think it's I, awesome I basically, that you put I basically up a do do that, Alex, at <laughs> the beginning of the show. I say this episode brought to you by patrons. Blah, That's blah, right. Blah, blah, you blah, have blah, been blah, doing blah. that. You have been doing. Yeah, that. but I only got like five patrons, so I didn't do it very much. <laughs> Anyways, let's end the episode now. Thanks so much, everybody, for listening, and we'll talk to you guys next week. <laughs>